Man, if I didn't believe in once saved, always saved, I probably would have gotten saved again. Man. Woo! That was good stuff. Man. You, you said more in like three minutes, and I think I'm going to say the whole night. That was good stuff, man. That was good stuff. Well, tonight, have you ever been on a trip, and you've been driving for a really long time, and then you come up on that infernal road construction? And it like makes the trip longer than it should have been? Or better yet, there's that... They're working on the road, and so your, your lane comes to a screeching halt while the guy holds a sign because there's a roadblock. And tonight I want to talk to you about roadblocks to revival because I got news for you. I don't want to be the reason God doesn't bring revival. I don't want to be uh, responsible for God not doing what God wants to do this week. I don't want that on my hands. I don't want that on me. I don't want that on you. Uh, and I want to share a, a story with you from a couple of different passages in Scripture tonight about a, a king who, when his nation is in revival, his nation is experiencing God do great things, he, of his own choosing, sets up roadblocks and then what happens as a result. So uh, we're going to kind of camp out in 2 Chronicles 24, but there's also a verse we're going to look at in 2 Kings. So open your Bibles to 2 Chronicles chapter 24. Second Chronicles chapter 24. And as you're opening there, kind of just um, put your thumb on 2 Kings chapter 12. 2 Chronicles 24. Several years ago when I was on staff at a church, I, before I, I really got my life right with the Lord, I did these things called ski trips with my students. <laughs> and it, was, it wasn't until one, one or two of those that I really repented and knew that I had made a mistake. And on one of these trips across Texas into Colorado, we're driving. And it's one of those points where you're not really hungry, but you want to stop and eat because if you don't, you're going to kill somebody because of what's going on in the back of the vehicle. I mean, I have these junior high boys all of a sudden have um, been like all, like they're, they're on caffeine and they're sound, I mean, there's, you know, I used to think that girls sounded bad, but when you get a bunch of junior high boys together on a bunch of caffeine, that's the worst sound of all time. I mean, the, the octave level rises, they just, I mean, and, and you're confined in a church van. And we're driving down the road and all of a sudden I see this sign for Dairy Queen. Oh, Lord Jesus, the hunger buster was really looking good. And I pull into this Dairy Queen, and I was just pulling in because I didn't want to kill anybody. I didn't want to go to jail. It would have looked real bad for a youth pastor to be arrested in Colorado uh, for killing one of his kids. And, uh, I mean, that's how bad it was. And, and we go and we pull into this Dairy Queen, and I go up to the front. And I asked the lady, I said, yes, ma'am, I'd, like you know, I'd like a hunger buster. We don't have hamburgers. Excuse me? We don't have hamburgers. Okay, well, um... I'll take some chicken strips. We don't have chicken. Now, have you ever been to Dairy Queen before? You know they've got, they've got hamburgers and they've got chicken. I said, well, forget this then. I'm going to just get me a milkshake. I want a vanilla milkshake. We don't have any ice cream. About this time, I'd been warring with the Lord about what I was going to do with the junior high kids. Now I'm ready to kill the lady behind the counter. Because I'm convinced that this lady's playing a joke on me. And I said, ma'am, I don't understand. Your sign says Dairy Queen. And every Dairy Queen I've ever been to, whether it's in Louisiana, Texas, wherever, they have hamburgers, they have chicken, and they have ice cream. Yes. 
And they got all this other stuff that clogs your arteries. She said, well, sir, all we have is fish. And I thought to myself for a second, I said, well, why is it, does your sign say Dairy Queen when you don't have a Dairy Queen menu? Why do some of us come saying we want revival when we really don't? Why do some of us say we're Christians when we really aren't? Why do some of us say we're committed, we're all in when we're really not? I mean, it's easy to say something. It's easy to, to claim something. It's easy to put your allegiance on something. But it, it, what matters most is what comes out of what you say. And I want to take you to this passage of Scripture because what I want you to see is here's a king who thought he had it all together. By, by all rights, we probably would have said, well, that dude knows the Lord. That dude's going to heaven. That dude's right. He's leading his kingdom in the right way. But we're going to see here real quick that he doesn't do that. So let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 24. It says this in verse, uh, verse 2. Throughout the time of Jehoiada the priest, Joash did what was right in the Lord's sight. Now look at verse 15. Jehoiada died when he was old and full of days. He was 130 years old at his death. He was buried in the city of David with the kings because he had done what was good in Israel with respect to God in his temple. However, after he died, the rulers came and paid homage to the king. Then the king listened to him, and they abandoned, they abandoned the temple of Yahweh, the God of their ancestors, and they served the Asherah poles and the idols. Now flip over to 2 Kings chapter 12. Here's what I want you to see. Look at verse 2. Throughout the time Jehoiada the priest instructed him, Joash did what was right in the Lord's sight. The first roadblock he set up, listen, the first roadblock he set up was a false commitment. It was a false commitment. If you look in the last part of 2 Chronicles 23, you see that the nation of Israel is being blessed by God. God is um, doing huge things. And they even have a king that's made a commitment that the nation is going to follow God. And here comes Joash. He's risen to power as king. Jehoiada's the priest. Do you hear what it said? And whenever Jehoiada was around... Joash followed God. Whatever jo Jehoiada said, Joash listened to him. See, here's the problem. Some people think they're Christians because they got a head knowledge. They've heard Greg say what it takes to be a Christian. They've heard the Sunday school teacher say what it takes to be a Christian. They know it here, but it's never connected right here. Hey, I know Phil Robertson. Some of y'all's ears just perked up. I know him. I know he's got a beard down to here. He's got a crazy brother that who knows what happened to him in Vietnam. He's got four sons, one of which is a preacher. He goes to White's Ferry Road Church of Christ in West Monroe, Louisiana. He's turned the duck call industry into a multi-billion dollar industry. He looks like a homeless man, lives in a double wide, is married to Miss Kay, has the number one show on A&E, 9.5 billion viewers, worth millions of dollars, played quarterback at Louisiana Tech University ahead of a Hall of Famer named Terry Bradshaw. I know Phil Robertson. But if I got in my vehicle today and I drove over to the Duck Commander, Buck Commander warehouse, and I walked up to the lady at the front desk, and I said, hi, man, my name is John Harper. I'm here to have lunch with Phil Robertson. You know what she's going to do? She's going to go through a database of people who are allowed to eat lunch with Phil. 
You know whose name she's going to see? She's going to see Kay. She's going to see Willie and Jeff and Jace and crazy old Cy. She's going to see Godwin and Martin. But you know whose name she's not going to see on the list? Is mine. Because see, I know Phil here. But I don't know Phil here. We've never connected. And some of you in the room tonight, you may know a lot about Jesus here. You may be like my buddy John and know Jesus here. From the time you were knee high to a grasshopper, you may have heard about it. But you don't know him here. See, see, Joash, he knew the things of God here. He listened to what the priest said there, but it never connected right here. And I'm here to tell you today that you can make all the commitments to God you want, but if you don't know God, those commitments are false and you're dying and going to hell. I don't care how many churches you've sat in. I don't care how many sermons you've heard. You can know Jesus here, miss him here, and be banished to hell forever and ever. See, there's a head knowledge. But then look what else it says. Not only was there a head knowledge that made the false commitment, but there's also, it was, his commitment was based on other people. Did you hear what it said? As long as Jehida was around, he followed God. And then when, as soon as Jehida dies, as soon as Jehida's out of the picture, what's he doing? He's listening to everybody else. Listen, Jesus is not, Greg said it perfectly today, he's not about 99.9% .9 commitment. He's not about being committed as long as Aunt Myrtle is okay with it. He's not about you just selling out to him and, so, and being sold out to him as long as your football coach is okay with it. He's not just okay with it as long as the, the, it fits into the t-ball schedule. It's not about you and him and someone else. It's about you and him. And Jehida based his commitment to God on everyone else. Could it be that one of the biggest roadblocks to revival today at New Zion Baptist Church is we have a lot of people that are basing whether they come to revival, whether they invite anybody, or whether they get right at the altar by what everybody else thinks. And could it be that somebody that God wants to be here to radically change their lives may not get an invite because somebody in here is worried about what other people might think? You know what the Bible says? If that person dies and goes to hell, we got some blood on our hands. Not only do I not want somebody else's blood on my hands, but I don't want to be a roadblock to revival and have a false commitment and say, God, I'm all in. And I'll live for you as long as my friends think it's okay. I'll invite people to revival as long as nobody sees me do it. Heck, God, I might even get in my car and drive them to revival as long as I make sure it's okay. Here's the deal. Relationship with Jesus is all about you and him. Hey, Joshua in Joshua 24, 15, you know what he said? If choosing to follow God is not acceptable to you, fine. Go serve the God your forefathers followed. But as for me and my house, Jack, we serve in the Lord. And so maybe you're here today and maybe you've had a false commitment. Maybe your commitment to God is here and not here. And maybe that's, uh, that's a roadblock to what God wants to do in your life and in the life of this church. Maybe your relationship with God is only based on everybody else. If everybody else is rocking, you're rocking. If everybody else is living for the world, you're living for the world because your relationship is based on them and not you and Jesus. I want you to know something. If you keep trying to follow the crowd, you're going to get what the crowd gets. 
You keep doing what everybody else does, you're going to get what they get. That's why so many Christians today are bitter and angry and, and frustrated and living a life that they were never intended to live because they're too busy trying to be like everybody else or trying to be like Jesus. So there was a false commitment. The second thing I want you to see is this. In 2 Chronicles 24, they forgot to deal with sin. Watch this. However, after Jehida died, the rulers of Judah, verse 17, came and paid homage to the king. Look at verse 18. And they abandoned the temple of Yahweh, the God of their ancestors, and they served the Asherah poles and the idols. So there was wrath against Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt of theirs. Nevertheless, he's, okay, now, so here's the deal. Here's the deal. Jehida's gone. Joash could have said, we're going to follow God. But you know what happened? He let some other people determine who they were going to follow. And so they come and they erect these poles, they erect these idols. And the nation of Israel, the nation of Judah starts bowing to these idols. But I got newsflash for you. They're not the only ones that bow to idols today. They're not the only ones, they're not the only ones that bow to sin today. Could it be a roadblock to revival is sin in the camp? Could it be that a roadblock to huge revival today is that somebody has not has some unconfessed, unrepented of sin that they haven't dealt with? Listen, I don't believe that sin just separates a non-Christian from God. I believe sin can separate a Christian from usefulness to God. And God may want to use you in this church for huge things, but it only will happen when we get real about our sin. I heard a story one time about this kid that went to school every day, just, just dirty, filthy. I'm talking mud. All over him, just looked like a kid had been laying in three weeks worth of mud, just gross. And he goes to school every day. His clothes are dirty, he's dirty, hair's all shambles. And the teachers are talking, and they say, Poor kid, his mama must not love him. And one of the teachers said, I think the mama loves him, she just doesn't, she just doesn't hate the dirt. Here's the deal there's a lot of us in church that don't hate the dirt, we don't hate the dirt. We say we love Jesus, but we don't hate the dirt. And we get real worked up on, on what everybody else does in church. We get real worked up on everybody else's sin, but when it comes to our sin, whether it's gossip, whether it's uh, pornography, whether it's um, you know, a lack of tithing, whether it's this, whether it's that, we're real good to point the finger at everybody else to take the spotlight off our sin. But a roadblock to revival could be this. It could be some unconfessed, unrepented of sin among somebody that claims Jesus at New Zion Baptist Church that's keeping God from doing what God wants to do. Do you want that on your hands? Is that unconfessed, unrepented of sin that you're holding on to that nobody else knows about? Is it worth it? Is it worth it to hold on to it knowing that that could be what's hindering God from moving the way he wants to move? I mean, think about it. In the same way they erected those Asherah poles, we erect idols when we don't deal with that sin. Because we keep running to those idols, we keep running to those things, and the more we run to them, the less time we have for God. Listen, here's what I want you to know today. God wants you to get right with Him, but He ain't going to force you to. He wants you to get right, but He's not going to force you to. And God wants revival to happen, but it's not going to happen till the sin is dealt with in the camp. Y'all remember the story of Achan in the Bible? You know, Joshua, he's about ready to go conquer Ai, this little bit old country. But God said, uh-uh, that ain't going to happen. Because somebody done took the, the stuff they weren't supposed to take.
And old Achan had gone and gotten all this plunder and he hid it. He hid it in his tent saying, well, I'm going to get what's mine. And because of the sin in the camp, because of the sin in the camp, God, instead of giving victory, allowed them to be defeated. Listen to me very closely. Sin is serious. I think that one of the biggest problems in the church today is we minimize, we minimize sin. Yes. We don't take it as seriously as Jesus did. Listen, if, if sin caused Jesus to be murdered, if it was that serious to him, why is it not serious to us? I mean, think about it. If that's what nailed Jesus to the cross, if he was that serious about it, then how come you and I think we can sweep it under the rug? Oh, it's no big deal. It's just one word. It's no big deal. It's just one thing of gossip. It's no big deal. It's just one image on, on my phone. It's no big deal. It's just one TV show. It's no big deal. It's just one song. It's no big deal. It's just one drink. It's no big deal. It's just one. You know what? It is a big deal because it cost Jesus his life. Amen. And when you and I try to take owner, when you and I try to not deal with sin, we're saying, Jesus, your substitutionary death on the cross for our sin wasn't good enough to take care of this one. So there was a false commitment. They forgot to deal with sin, but look at this. They failed to repent. Watch this. Verse 14. One of the most chilling verses I've ever heard. Nevertheless, God sent them prophets to bring them back to the Lord. They admonished them, but the people would not listen. Wow. Did y'all hear that? I mean, think about this. God sent a prophet after prophet, preacher after preacher. God's given your church an amazing preacher that stands on the truth of God's word. And every Sunday he delivers messages directly from God's throne room. And here's the deal. If God gives a, a, a preacher the word to preach and he gives you ears to listen, then it's on you what you do with it. And Greg, every Sunday morning when he's up here preaching, he's preaching what God's told him to preach. And if we choose not to listen to it, then it's not our fault if revival don't come. Right. Or it's not God's fault if revival don't come, it's ours. They could have had revival. Here, here's Joash, man. Joash is the king. And the Bible says that they brought prophet after prophet to tell them to get right with God and they chose not to listen. Could it be that our nation's in the mess it is today because preacher after preacher, prophet after prophet, Christian who sold out to Jesus after Christian who sold out to Jesus has come along and said enough's enough, but we failed to listen. Could it be today that churches are declining because instead of listening to preachers who give the word, we listen to everybody else that says that's not what the church needs today. The church needs to be more relevant. The church needs to be more six flags for Jesus-ish. Here's the deal. We are losing a battle because we're not listening to the people God puts in us to give us his word. And maybe it's not just a preacher. Listen, maybe God put, some, maybe God put your Sunday school teacher... Maybe they gave them a word. Maybe God gave a co-worker of yours a word. You know what? Maybe God gave your kids a word. Maybe, you know what? The Bible says this. God used a donkey to speak his word. Here's the, here's, the, here's the deal. If the word has been presented to you and you choose not to accept it, then don't blame God for the outcome in your life. 
It ain't his fault. He, the Bible says his word will not return void. It will accomplish what it was sent out to do. And the Bible says that they refused to repent. That they would just refuse to repent. I'm not listening to that. I'm not doing that. Could it be that God wants to bring huge revival to New Zion Baptist Church? But maybe there's a roadblock up because there's somebody who's not willing to repent. And maybe that's the one roadblock that God needs to come down so we see full-scale revival break loose. The last thing I want you to see, they had all these three things happen, and then look at the result. Look at what happens. They fell into judgment. Watch this. Look at verse 23. At the turn of the year, an Aramean army went to war against Joash. They entered Judah and Jerusalem, listen, and they destroyed all the leaders of the people among them and sent all the plunder to the king of Damascus. Although the Aramean army came with only a few men, the Lord handed over a vast army to them because the people of Judah had abandoned God. So they executed judgment on Joash. Listen very carefully. We talk in church all the time about God being a loving God, God being a gracious God, and praise God He is. But one thing I want you to know is this. God is a just God, and He will judge sin. He's a just God. He brings judgment on sin. That's what He does. And we, can, we, can, we may not face the consequences immediately, but God's going to bring judgment on our sin. And one of the ways He might bring judgment to this revival is by not having somebody that should be here to get saved not come. One way that he could bring judgment and revival is by choosing to turn his back on, on and not move the way we want him to move because we haven't done our part. I believe this. Listen, I believe that the judgment of God is coming on the church of America because we're, we got too much of the world and not enough of him. We got too much of the world in the church and not enough of Jesus in the church. And God's bringing judgment. The greatest judgment God's going to bring those is, is hell. Let me ask you this. Are you about to face that judgment? The wrath of God poured out in a real place called hell on those who don't know him. Maybe you're like Jonathan was. Came out of your mama's belly singing, just as I am, all ten stanzas. I mean, you could get the keys from the janitor and unlock the church. That's great. That's great. But are you going to experience the judgment of God in a place called hell? Maybe the judgment of God is going to fall on this church because we're more concerned with other things than his agenda. Maybe it's about us and our agenda and not him and his agenda. Maybe it's about our comfort and not his desire to seek and save that which is lost. Maybe the judgment of God is going to come because we love sin more than we love getting right. Because we love, the, we love him, but we, ha we don't hate the dirt. Think about this for a minute. If you were going in tomorrow for knee replacement surgery, and you found out that the doctor that was going to operate on you is notorious for using scalpels that had two minute specks of dust on it, would you dare get operated on him? Would you dare let him operate on you? You know why? Because that dirt brings infection. We can't have revival until we get the infection out. I don't want the judgment of God to come. I want revival to come. 
I don't want to set up a roadblock. I don't want to be the cause. I told the guys in prayer meeting, I, I don't want there to be anything in me that keeps God from doing what God wants to do. Let me ask you this. Is there any unconfessed, unrepentant of sin that you haven't dealt with? Maybe it's down deep. Nobody else knows about it except Jesus. Remember, he went to the cross for it. Maybe you need to come lay it down. Maybe tonight you've got a head knowledge, <laughs> but you don't have a heart knowledge. And you're on a one-way ticket to hell. You can say you know Jesus all you want. Heck, Joash said he followed Jesus as long as Jehida told him what to As long as Jehida the priest said, hey, this is what you need to do. Maybe your commitment to God is based on what everybody else does. Well, listen to me. If everybody else goes and jumps off a bridge, you're going to? Jesus is not a matter of popular opinion. He's a matter of commitment. Yeah. And he's looking for people who will stand tall and be counted. So maybe tonight you have some roadblocks in your life that God needs to bulldoze down so we can have revival. Maybe there's some unconfessed, unrepentant of sin you haven't dealt with. Maybe the judgment of God. Maybe God is withholding revival and blessing and he's about to bring judgment. But you know one thing I love about Scripture is every time God's about to bring judgment, when His people get on their face and they cry out to Him, and they beg and plead for His mercy, and they turn from their wicked ways, and they seek His face, and they pray, you know what He does? He hears from heaven. He forgives their sin, and He heals their land. It starts with us. God's going to do His part. Maybe God will, will not bring judgment if we just get right with Him tonight. We can't have revival in the church until we have it in us. I closed with this story. A, a preacher in the 1800s, somebody asked him, what's the key to revival? He said, go home, kneel on your floor, take a piece of chalk, and draw a circle around where you're kneeling. And stay there until God brings revival in that circle. He said, you can't have revival in a church or in a nation until you have it in you. And revival's not going to come to you until there's no false commitment. Until you remember to deal with sin. Until you're totally repented. So just like we did this morning, I'm going to invite the Crusaders up. This is our invitation time. And just like we did this morning, the invitation is twofold. Number one, for those of you who don't know Jesus. And you know what? I don't assume anything anymore. I used to go in thinking, well, I mean, it's Sunday night. Everybody comes on Sunday night. They're the frozen chosen, baby. They're going to heaven. But you know what I know now? There's people that have been deceived by the enemy. You can be at a church on a Sunday night and split the gates of hell wide open. Nothing certain anymore except this, eternal life in either heaven or hell. Choice is yours. Doesn't matter what you believe here. Because your head will mess with you. Your mind will mess with you. It matters what you mean right here. Because what you mean right here is going to affect what you do out there. So if you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, in just a moment, Brother Greg is going to stand right here. And I'm just going to invite you to come to Brother Greg, just like my buddy Kevin did today. And say, hey, Brother Greg, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. There's not some magical weight, not some magical words you say. It's just an attitude of a broken heart realizing that you're lost without him. And that you need him.
to give you peace and passion and meaning and purpose in life. Maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you've dealt with the eternity issue, but you know what? Maybe there's some dirt that you haven't hated. And you need to come tonight and get, get some stuff right between you and the Lord. You need to come lay some sin at the altar. You need to come lay some sin at the cross of Jesus. Maybe it's something you haven't confessed. Maybe it's, you know what? Jesus said this words. What would happen if this happened? Jesus said, as you're going to worship, if you remember you have something between you and somebody else, before you even offer your first act of worship, go and make it right. Maybe that's a roadblock that God needs to tear down today so revival can come. Maybe you've got some ill feelings between somebody here at the church. Maybe you need to go make it right. Not because it's the cool, comfortable thing to do. It's because of what Jesus said to do. What about repentance? You know what repentance is? It's agreeing with God and changing direction to go live with God, to, go, to, to follow God. Agreeing with God, you've messed up. And changing the direction of where you're going to follow His direction. That's all it is. So I don't know where you're at today, but I know this. God wants us to get right, but He can't force us to get right. He leaves that decision to us. So in this invitation time, my question to you is this. Is it worth it for you to deal with God today so there's no roadblock to revival tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday? I don't want it on my hands that I'm the reason God didn't bring, it, bring revival. And I hope you feel the same way. So when I say a prayer, Brother Greg will be right here. The Crusaders will start. If you need Jesus, you just come to Brother Greg. Maybe you need to come to this altar and you need to do some business with God. Lord Jesus, I love you. And I thank you for the truth of your word. And God, I, I know in my life there's some stuff I need to get right with you tonight. Because God, I don't want to be the reason you don't bring revival. Jesus, I pray for those in here who think they have a relationship with you. Maybe they've got a head knowledge. God, convict them in their heart and let them know that the head knowledge ain't enough. Maybe tonight, God, they need a commitment based not on everybody else, but a commitment based on you. God, do whatever you see fit in this invitation. We're getting out of the way so that you will rule and reign. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. You guys stand.